Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Profit Podcast. Your host, Calvin, right here. Today, we're testing out a new type of podcast, a new format. Uh, It seems that a lot of my posts recently have been video-related or articles, and I really wanted to get back to just doing a podcast. They're a lot of fun. I don't have to worry about how I look. And uh, people people seem to like them last year. So this is a podcast exclusive. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, all, all the podcast streaming services. But this will not be up on YouTube or the Instagram. So if you are finding this, thank you. And if you know people who would like this, then please send it to them. But anyways, this is called Saturday with the Prophet. And basically, each Wednesday or Thursday, I will post on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and ask people if they have any questions about fantasy football, me, just just anything in general, and I will discuss them on the show. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the Profit Podcast, everything NFL and fantasy football related all season long with your host, Calvin Wright. All right, our first question comes from at Pocky is too good on Instagram. He asks, what's my favorite football card or player? Uh, my favorite football card uh, would be probably this Andy Isabella one. I've showed it a couple times on my uh, YouTube or my Instagram. It's a encased Andy Isabella rookie card with a signature inscription. So it's got his autograph, and then he also wrote, Go Cards Go. Isabella, he's probably you know currently my favorite player because he came on my podcast, which is just really, really cool. But my other favorite players... I really am a big fan of Christian McCaffrey and Kyler Murray. Those two, uh, I've always been fans of them, but last year I had them both on my teams, and they really helped me to win a Super Bowl, Christian McCaffrey especially, holy smokes. But Michael Thomas is also one of those favorite players that he just, I, I always seem to get him. I have, I've done a keeper league for, you know, four years, and I've always had Michael Thomas. He's just always been on my team. He's helped me. I've won so many games just because of him. He'll just have a huge game. And actually, I'm doing a dynasty league right now. The draft is going on. And I actually picked Michael Thomas. So he's on my team again. So Michael Thomas, Andy Isabella, those are two of my favorite players, but also McCaffrey and Kyler Murray. Uh, next, the slow grind on Instagram. He asks, my favorite NFL moment of all time. This one is this one's really hard. I'm trying to think of all the games I've watched. Honestly, I'm okay. The Super Bowl, Super Bowl Patriots versus uh, Falcons, that was just an incredible game. That when uh, when they scored that final touchdown and then the two point conversion, that game was probably the best game I've ever watched. But if I'm just talking one moment, you know, like a period of 15 seconds in NFL history. I would say the Minneapolis Miracle. That is one of the few plays where I can watch it and I literally get goosebumps. And it's crazy. I'm not really a fan of either of those teams, but that play was just so, so incredible and so improbable. You know, the digs, sideline. <laughs> so that's probably my favorite all-time NFL moment. That that play was just so crazy to watch. And I remember I was in a hotel. We were traveling 
and I hadn't seen the first half of the game. I tuned in in the fourth quarter, and I was like, oh, this is this is a good game. And then that play happened, and it was just it was the best play I've ever seen, honestly. And the best game I've ever watched, the next uh, question, best game, singular game. Honestly, the NFC championship between the Packers and the Arizona Cardinals uh, several years back where Aaron Rodgers threw the two Hail Marys to send it to overtime to Jeff Janis. And then uh, Larry Fitzgerald took the screen pass, what, 80 yards, and then took the shovel pass for the touchdown to end it. That was just one of the best games. I'd say that is the best game I have ever watched, maybe besides the Patriots Super Bowl against the Falcons. And then favorite player of all time is the next question. Of all time, well, obviously, Andy Isabella, NFL players, if you come on my podcast, you'll become my new favorite player. But uh, besides Isabella, my favorite of all time would probably be Chris Johnson. He was one of the first uh, real players I knew as a child. I had him my first year in fantasy, and I think that was the year he rushed for 2,000 yards. It was maybe the year after, and I always drafted him after that. But, yeah, he was just – he was my favorite player for a long time, the first player that I had a jersey of, all that stuff. So he's probably my favorite player of all time. And then the next question is craziest win or loss in fantasy. So craziest craziest loss. I've had a lot of crazy losses. Uh, this year, in fact, I was in my uh, followers league and I set the record for most points in a week. Just everyone on my team exploded. And then my opponent had Aaron Jones against the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Aaron Jones, he scores a touchdown. I'm like, this is fine. I'm still up by, what, 40 points. Then Aaron Jones scores another, and then another, and then another touchdown. <laughs> and I lost because Aaron Jones got, what, 46 fantasy points in that single game. That was very frustrating. Also, Amari Cooper has killed me so many times in fantasy. It seems every time Amari Cooper has one of those big games, you know, he has, like, two huge games a year, it's against me. Uh, I it, That feeling on Thursday night when you already know that you lost it's everyone's been there but it's always because of Mari Cooper and then my craziest win I haven't had a lot of crazy wins that I can remember uh maybe a few where I wasn't supposed to win and then like I said Michael Thomas just explodes on you know Monday night any Monday night game where you win oh no 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 I know my craziest win I know my craziest win all right <laughs> this was last year in one of my leagues it was Monday Night Football. It was the game, the 49ers versus uh, Seahawks. And I was up by, what, 15 points going into Monday Night Football. And Tyler Lockett was the only player that my opponent had left. So I was already pretty nervous because this is a PPR league. Lockett, he can put up big games. Even if it's not a big game, he puts up very good numbers. And Tyler Lockett, he's doing great. He's doing great. And then he gets injured. And Tyler Lockett goes out. And then he comes back in, and I'm I'm sweating. I'm saying, oh, no, God, he's going to come in and win. And then they pull Tyler Lockett at the very end because of the injury. And I hate celebrating because someone gets injured, but it wasn't even a happy. It was just so improbable that that happened, that he got taken out. And I am not kidding when I say I won by a decimal point. If Lockett had gotten half a yard more, I would have lost, but he went out with that injury, and it was just insane because we were texting both watching the game, and he saw Lockett go out, and he was like, you got to be kidding me. But yeah, that was probably the craziest win I've had in fantasy. All right, Sack Attack Fantasy Football on Instagram. 
He asks, what is your favorite stat to help decide who to draft at running back? This is actually a really, really interesting question, uh, a really good question, because, yeah, the running back position, it is really, really difficult to figure out. And you can look at these stats and yards per carry, rush attempts, all these different stats, but it's still so hard to predict. And a perfect example of this is uh, Devin Singletary from last year. Snap share was 69.3%, which was number 10. That's that's pretty good. Opportunity share, though, was 59%, which was 21st, which that's a huge drop. So snap percentage, a lot of people look at that number, but it's not as important, I don't think, as a lot of people make it out to be. Now, he had uh, his productivity. He, let me find where his rush, rush attempts. Yeah, yards per carry was 4.9 or 5.1 yards per carry which was number five in the league. Incredible. Yards per touch was 5.4. Breakaway runs, he had 11 or one per game and was number eight in breakaway runs. His juke rate was 33.3%, which is number three in the league. Obviously, this man was efficient, and it looks like he was on the field, you know, number 10 in snap share. But for some reason, he still was 28th in fantasy points per game for his position. So what happened and the the the, the uh oh, I'm trying to find it yeah the goal line carries he had one goal line carry one goal line carry in the whole season for Devin Singletary I, I'm I'm that's just crazy it blows your mind that Devin Singletary all those stats look great but his season was kind of thrown thrown off the hype train by the goal line carries. So I don't want to overemphasize how important that single stat is, goal line carries, because obviously you can't just score touchdowns. But that is a stat that I think a lot of people undervalue, the goal line carries and red zone carries. Because, I mean, a touchdown is worth six points in fantasy, which is 60 yards, the equivalent of rushing 60 yards. So Frank Gore... He, let me find it. All my stats that I get come from either Pro Football Focus or PlayerProfiler.com. Player Profiler is my favorite source of stats. They've got it really nice sorted out. But yeah, uh, okay, Frank Gore, goal line carries, he was eighth in the league. So when you're looking at running backs, obviously you want to avoid tandems, but that's pretty much impossible these days. I can only think of one or two backfields without at least two backs. But you definitely want that red zone carry or goal line carry, you want that to be higher than than Devin Singletary. So that's a very important stat, in my opinion, when you're trying to find running backs who who aren't... Because it's different. Those, those two, Devin Singletary and Frank Gore, were really opposite ends of the spectrum, but were very extreme in that Singletary was completely dependent on yards. And Frank Gore was completely dependent on touchdowns. And just because you're very efficient and get yards doesn't make you a fantasy stud. And just because you score doesn't mean that you're a fantasy stud. So Christian McCaffrey, number one running back, we all know he was incredible. But red zone touches 66 or four red zone touches a game, which was number two in the league. It's insane. Uh, (laughs) And uh, let's goal line carries, 14 or one goal line carry a game. So you want both efficiency, but goal line carries are a very undervalued statistic that can really help predict 
which players are you know going to score because you can't always rely on just yards or just touchdowns. You got to get both. So yards per carry is important. Uh, opportunity share is important, and goal line or red zone carries per game is very important too. All right, Tom Pell Brown on Instagram asks, "I don't like Jameis Winston. How about you, uh, Jameis Winston?" I think everyone kind of has the same relationship with Jameis Winston, at least if you've been playing fantasy. He's helped you win a week, but he's also helped you lose a week. And I I honestly don't know what I think about him right now. He had LASIK eye surgery, apparently couldn't read stop signs because his eyes were so messed up, which begs the question, why was he a starting quarterback in the NFL? Uh, but I genuinely think in dynasty leagues, or if we're talking about sport card investing, Jameis Winston is someone to keep your eye on. He's He, he set aside his ego took less money, decided to play for the Saints behind Drew Brees. I believe he will get significantly better this season, but we aren't going to see it, I doubt. But he is in this opportunity to inherit probably the best quarterback role in the NFL. The weapons in New Orleans are amazing. The defense is great. They're a Super Bowl contending team. And if he can step in next year, learning from Drew Brees with all his talent, I think he could possibly be, you know... A really good quarterback, which sounds crazy to say, but I think Jameis Winston, we have not seen the last of him, and I think he's going to get better. All right, Sarah Joy 15 on Instagram asks, how are you valuing Lynn Bowden? So I've talked about Lynn Bowden several times on Instagram, but I want to uh, say, say my newest update because I haven't talked since he went to the Oakland Raiders. Lynn Bowden, if you don't know, very, very weird, interesting college career. He was originally a wide receiver. Well, originally, I think he was in high school, a quarterback, then switched to wide receiver. And then he played as quarterback due to injuries in Kentucky. But as quarterback, he basically only ran the ball. So he's basically a running back, wide receiver, quarterback. Very, very strange. And a lot of times you see these kind of utility players. They don't exactly pan out because they don't master one skill in college. But Lynn Bowden, he's one of those players who is just a hard worker who will do whatever the coaches tell him to do, whether it's play quarterback, wide receiver, or running back. Obviously, he was drafted as a running back by Oakland. They already have Josh Jacobs. So off the bat, his fantasy value is not very high. But he is a player I will be drafting because, like I said, he is a wide receiver. We have no idea how they're going to use Lynn Bowden, but I think he will be used. Uh, Gruden, he talked about how he wanted Lynn Bowden for a long time, and I think Bowden will be used in possibly what could become an Austin Eckler role, which we saw last year in PPR leagues, has tremendous value. Is Lynn Bowden the next Austin Eckler? I don't know. I have no idea. But he could be. The range of outcomes for Lynn Bowden is so great. He could become the number one wide receiver and the number two running back on the Oakland Raiders, or he could be a bench warmer who never gets a shot. The, the range of possibilities are pretty much endless. And when you've got a player with that type of range of possibility... He's one that I definitely want to draft and hold on to because I would way rather drop him uh, drop him week seven and say oh, that that didn't work out than lose to him against us in the Super Bowl. So Lynn Bowden, that's that's my thoughts on him right now. I'm not exactly sure where I will rank him once uh, once things get going. All right, uh, next question at the FF Prodigy on Instagram asks thought on thoughts on Cam Akers. Uh, Initially, I really did like Cam Akers. He's a great running back, horrible offensive line there in uh, Florida State, but he was was pretty, pretty darn good. He drafted uh, with a 20th pick in the second round. 
He's I really like him, but the landing spot, as great as it seemed when he was first drafted to the uh, Rams, yeah, I don't love it. And I think it's because the Rams, I believe, will have learned from their mistakes with Todd Gurley. When they put the whole offense on the shoulder of one running back, you know, the receiving work, the blocking, the the running, everything was on his shoulders. His body literally fell apart. And I don't think they're going to make that same mistake, mistake twice. So, yes, it's a crowded backfield, but you can say, well, they drafted Akers in the second round. They intend on using him. Akers is the best running back. Yes, I, I agree with that. But I don't think he's going to have this huge role. I think it really, truly will be a three-running back backfield for the majority of this season because I don't think they're going to want a repeat of what happened with Gurley and his body just falling apart. All right. Uh, Nick Surf on Instagram asks... Thoughts on the Chargers draft, particularly K.J. Hill and Joshua Kelly? Uh, I don't know much about K.J. Hill, honestly, so I I don't feel comfortable discussing him, really. Uh, Chargers draft, though, with um, Justin Herbert was their first pick. I did like that draft pick. I will have to wait a little while to see how it pans out. I like the draft pick if they choose to... uh, to let him sit behind behind Tyrod for a while. But I think if they force him into the starting role immediately, I don't think it will pan out. But I thought it was a pretty good draft. And Joshua Kelly, uh, the running back that they picked 406 out of UCLA, not particularly excited college-wise. Austin Eckler, I think there has, you know, obviously the dominant role. He was number four PPR back last year in fantasy. There's also Justin Jackson. I think Joshua Kelly... He hurts mostly Justin Jackson's value in dynasty leagues, but Austin Eckler is still the number one there, especially in PPR leagues. But yeah, I thought the Chargers uh, are going to be vastly improved this season. All right, JonasDude22 on TikTok asks, where will Josh Rosen end up this season? Josh Rosen, uh, <laughs> very interesting player. We all know that. he's uh, He was drafted, what, first or second, very early by the Cardinals, I think two years ago, and he he got thrown into a horrible situation. You know, no offensive line, no no nothing. Horrible coordinators, coaches, and he just it didn't pan out. And then he was traded to the Dolphins, and he didn't really get a ton of opportunity. The opportunity he did get, he didn't look great. So Josh Rosen, I think he's going to stay right now. He's I guess the third string backup on the Dolphins. Yeah. And I I think he's going to stay there for now. I do think we will see Josh Rosen given a chance to start, but I don't think it will be on the Dolphins, and I don't think it will be this season. But I don't think this is the last we're going to—oh, sorry. I don't think this is the last we're going to hear of Josh Rosen uh, yet. I think he does get another chance. All right. F-T-T-W-H-J-W-K-Y— some, Someone on TikTok asks— what does the Rams' future look like? Honestly, I think they have a better season than last year, but I think they come short of two years ago when they made the Super Bowl. Uh, the team, I think that magic has kind of worn off. Uh, Jared Goff, we kind of know who he is as a quarterback. He's a pretty good quarterback. I don't think he's going to be spectacular. Brandon Cooks departed. They brought in Cam Akers. I think it's going to be a better team. I think they're going to be better, but I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders once again. I think they're going to be, you know, a very good team, but just 
that's all. I don't think there's going to be anything special about them this year. All right, Pocky is too good on TikTok asks, uh, what are some one-year wonder teams for this season or rookies that are going to be good? Um, so one-year wonder teams for this season, I'm not exactly sure what that means. If I'm talking about a team that I think could be great this year and then bad the next, I would. my first choice would probably be Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, that situation reminds me a lot of kind of the situation that we had in Denver where they traded for Peyton Manning. They had the stack team, won the Super Bowl, and then the quarterback leaves, just kind of fell apart. So I think we could see something like that in Tampa Bay. I'm not sure if we will. They have just such an amazing supporting cast around Brady now, and uh, Bruce Arians is a great coach, better than Adam Gase, uh, who was there in Denver as offensive coordinator. So I think they would be my best bet as a one-year wonder team. But I'm not sure if we'll see that happen. Uh, and rookies that are going to be good, I really like DeAndre Swift. I think he has a good opportunity if Kerryon Johnson goes down. He's in Detroit. Detroit, you know, not a great track record with anyone in real life. But fantasy-wise, they've been able to produce good players in past years. Uh, Kenny Galladay, Matthew Stafford, and even Kerryon Johnson, when healthy, has been pretty good if he's given that goal line work. Uh, if But with DeAndre Swift, very talented, very good runner from Georgia, and if Carrion Johnson goes down halfway through the season for a significant amount of time, you're going to have a workhorse in DeAndre Swift. And DeAndre Swift is someone who's being drafted extremely late. I uh, can pull up his uh, ADP right one second. DeAndre Swift ADP. He's being drafted, let's see, yeah, I think 30... 40th running back, something like that. Yeah, his ADP is non-existent right now. <laughs> uh, but they didn't spend a, uh, the third pick of the second round on DeAndre Swift for nothing. He's pretty fast. I, I, I honestly think he's talented and will take over that role, whether it's due to injury or carry on Johnson just underperforming. So DeAndre Swift is a rookie that is pretty undervalued right now that I think could have a good role. And then... um yeah, a lot of these rookies I'm not extremely excited about, honestly. I think it may take a couple of years for this class to just pan out, not because of lack of talent. This was one of the most talented uh, groups we've had come into the NFL in recent years. But a lot of the landing uh, landing places fantasy-wise weren't ideal. A lot of tandems were created. A lot of three-back uh, three uh, backfields were created. And a lot of wide receivers that we were excited about, like Jerry Judy, he's going to a team where, you know, there's already a wide receiver one there. Or uh, C.D. Lamb going to the Cowboys. That's not a great fantasy situation now with three great wide receivers. So fantasy-wise, I'm not particularly excited about any of them. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he would be probably the number one rookie running back. Uh, the fantasy football show, he talked about him on my uh, other podcast uh, the other day, but he loves him in that situation in Kansas City, and I have to agree that I think he will take over that backfield after a couple weeks. All right, last question of this episode. Jesus Sava on Instagram asks, sorry if I butchered that name, uh, what is your opinion on Tua? So Tua, we all know the story. He came in uh, the the national championship for Jalen Hurts, and he won. It just the he was you know the future 
first round pick, first pick overall, until injuries plagued him for the last uh, next two seasons. Joe Burrow went, he fell to uh, the Dolphins, which I think is a very good landing spot for him. And there are two outcomes or three outcomes. Either he just somehow turns out to not be good, which I don't think is going to happen. But the two outcomes I could see are him being thrown into the starting role immediately and just either getting hurt or busting because that supporting cast offensive line is not where it needs to be or the Dolphins choosing to completely redshirt him this year or maybe play only a few games and then bring him out next year with an improved supporting cast and make sure he's 100%. If they do the latter, I think Tua could be a future you know, next generation quarterback who we're talking about for the next 10 years is one of the greats. But if they don't, if they force him into that role early on, I think we could see a lot of potential for bust. And it's sad to say because I really do like Tua, but I think that situation is very delicate. And if it's handled incorrectly, I think Tua could bust. But if if they handle it right, which I I have a lot of faith in Flores, Brian Flores, I think Tua could be the best rookie quarterback out of this draft. All right, everyone. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, I will be back next week. If you've got any questions, send them on Instagram or TikTok or wherever you can, and I will get to them. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. Have a good weekend.